This episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio is brought to you by The Shine Shake. It's an energizing, detoxifying, balancing shake that's a breakfast replacement meal with 18 grams of protein, low sugar grams, low carb, and all you have to do is mix it with water. It's uh, gluten-free, and it's a nutraceutical, so it helps you to do all of these things instead of just a regular breakfast or a regular protein shake. So it's a wonderful vanilla latte flavor. Just put it in your shaker bottle with water and you're out the door. It's convenient and easy. I hope you'll check it out. It's available at kirandunstonmd.com. There's a link in the show notes. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Kieran. Welcome to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today we are going to delve into a topic that's very important that some of you may be having issues with or maybe you have a loved one or family member or friend who's had issues with multiple sclerosis. So we're going to delve into that with Dr. Terry Walls who really is the go-to expert on this topic. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa and she specializes in the holistic treatment of multiple sclerosis. She is the author of The Walls Protocol, How I Beat Progressive MS using paleo principles and functional medicine and the cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life. Dr. Walls hosts the Walls Protocol Seminar annually for clinicians and patients alike who are seeking a successful comprehensive treatment plan for MS, and she is currently conducting multiple sclerosis clinical trials using these revolutionary protocols. Welcome, Dr. Terry Walls. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> so glad to have you here. And really, you, you really are the go-to expert when it comes to multiple sclerosis because of your personal history and your professional dedication to really getting at identifying the root causes and healing them. And I think that your personal journey is very instructive for people. And I would love it if you could share it with everyone. Sure. So, you know, back in 2000, I started having problems uh, stumbling. I had some weakness in my left leg. I was evaluated uh, ultimately by a neurologist. Uh, we saw that I had abnormal lesions in my spinal cord, uh, abnormal spinal fluid. Uh, and then a, he noted that I had it 13 years earlier and had an episode of dim vision in my left eye. Uh, so he told me that I had... Uh, likely relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis and that dim vision was a bout of optic neuritis uh, and you know being a physician and having two very young kids uh, ages eight and five at that diagnosis I knew I wanted to treat my disease aggressively so I sought out the best uh, MS center that was doing clinical research which was Cleveland Clinic mm -hmm. saw their best people took the newest drugs and I continued to go downhill. Uh, two years later, my Cleveland Clinic physicians told me about the work of Lauren Cordain. I read his papers, his books, and after 20 years of being a low saturated fat vegetarian, I gave up all grain, all legumes, all dairy, and went back to eating meat. So this was a big, big change. I continued to decline. Uh, then the next year, I needed a tilt recline wheelchair. My physicians told me that I'd uh, changed to secondary progressive multiple sclerosis that there'd be no more spontaneous improvements, that I, uh, functions once lost would be gone forever. And so I was more terrified of my disease 
Um, then of the chemotherapy, which I took, and they told me that, yes, that increases my risk of heart failure and of cancers. Um, but I took it anyway because I was terrified of the disease. I continued to decline. Then I took Tizabri. Um, I continued to decline, and then I switched to Celsept, another disease-modifying drug. This one, uh, I had a lot of uh, uh, bruising with it, uh, sores in my mouth, a lot of fatigue uh, and achiness. But, and again, I was more terrified of my uh, progressive worsening. Um, I, uh, fatigue was a, a big problem. Now, fortunately, the university and the VA kept redesigning my job for me. And one of the things I was able to do was join the Institutional Review Board, uh, where we reviewed clinical trials, and I uh, volunteered to review everything related to the brain. So I got more and more comfortable reading the basic science, uh, and I uh, would ultimately decide that mitochondria were the driver of disability. So I'd create a supplement cocktail for my mitochondria, which slowed my decline, but you know, I was still declining. Uh, by the summer of 07, um, I was having you know, much more severe fatigue by 10 in the morning. I was beginning to have some trouble with brain fog. I was so weak, I, I could not sit up anymore. I, I had a special recliner with my knees higher than my nose, one at, uh, in my office, one at home. Um, my chief of staff told me he was assigning me to the traumatic brain injury clinic come January, and, and I knew that was a – and I wouldn't have any residents. I'd be seeing patients directly as part of a team. And I knew physically it was, you know, I, that was not a job that I could do. Um, so that was a very difficult place to be at. I also have trigeminal neuralgia. Uh, so these electrical face pains were getting more frequent, more severe, more difficult to control. Um, but, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Uh, that summer, I uh, came across the Institute for Functional Medicine. I took their course on neuroprotection, had a deeper understanding of what I could be doing, a longer list of supplements, uh, which I added. didn't really change much. But then I had a, another really big aha moment, like, what if I redesigned my paleo diet uh, to emphasize these nutrients? I had to figure out where they were in the food supplies. So that's more research. Um, but I started this new, very structured paleo diet beginning in December. Uh, and a month later, when I have to go off to the traumatic brain injury clinic, um, my fatigue is less, my pain is less, and at the end of the first week, you know, I'm just watching, so I should be able to do that. At the end of the second week, I, I can actually do this. Um, and the end of the third week, I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm, this is going to be okay. I, I can do this job. I, and within three months, I'm beginning to walk using a cane. Wow. Uh, in six months, I'm walking uh, around the VA hospital without a cane. At nine months, um, I get on my bike for the first time in six years, and I bike around the block. I'm crying. My wife's crying. My kids are crying. Uh, and, you know, how I understand disease and health has fundamentally changed. I'm talking to my patients and primary care in the traumatic brain injury clinic more and more about diet and lifestyle. And then, of course, ultimately, uh, my chief of medicine uh, directs me to do a safety trial. In a, and uh, this launches me into my uh, current uh, research program, which is all about using diet and lifestyle in the setting of autoimmunity. So it, it, it um, it's been an amazing journey, uh, and I'm profoundly grateful um, that I was so disabled, uh, suffered so many years, because I, I had to have that happen in order to be willing to relearn all this uh, 
cellular biochemistry, physiology, and reshape uh, my approach to disease and health. Wow. That's such an amazing story and that, that you come out of it with immense gratitude, I think is so much a, a lesson for everyone. One of the things or aspects of health that I really work with people on is that helping them understand that disease or dis-ease in the body isn't a sign that you need a medication or that you have a, a Prozac deficiency if you're depressed. It's really a sign that something's out of balance in your life. And so it's really a call to look at these deeper meanings and root causes. Mm -hmm. And and when you reevaluate it and you look at those causes, you end up healing your health from the roots up, but you also end up healing your life in a way. Do you, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it's really, uh, our bodies have probably spent years, often decades, uh, trying to get our attention yeah. that we had to address, uh, you know, these environmental factors contributing to uh, our declining health. And, you know, some of us pick up a little earlier with all that messaging. You know, unfortunately for me, I had to get profoundly disabled uh, before I really understood what my body had been trying to tell me all those years. Uh, yeah, and so, you know, gradually I've become far more attentive and far more grateful for all of my symptoms because that's a great barometer of, of how the chemistry of my body is working uh, and uh, gives me a lot of, when things aren't working quite as well, I stop and really reflect on what's going on in my environment and what could I improve um, so that my biochemistry could function more properly. So how do we as clinicians help patients, people listening to this podcast right now, and a lot of people are probably thinking, she went through all of that and she's grateful and they don't they don't get it and they they don't still understand that dis-ease in the body and the symptoms is a greater call to to health in a bigger way and it's not that you need drugs or surgery how do you think that the average person who's living in this world who has an hmo who goes for a 10-minute doctor visit and is given a fistful of prescriptions when they leave, how do you help them to really get that that's not the answer? You know, uh, the first thing I ask uh, my patients to do, and this is what my vets actually taught me, was uh, I ask them what they want their health for um, and to make a physical goal. Uh, so it might be that uh, I want to see my daughter graduate from high school or I would uh, like to someday uh, ride the great bike ride across to Iowa, or I'd like to um, walk a mile again, um, or I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So mm -hmm. some, uh, some goal, and invite them to have a physical goal, and that we will work together to help them achieve that goal. Now, it becomes much more real than saying, I want to improve your A1C or improve your blood pressure or improve uh, uh, some arbitrary lab number. Um, when we're both working towards a physical goal that matters to the patient, um, then it, that's much more meaningful. Uh, and now, the, the, um, realizing, like, well, if I want to uh, ride my bike again, I'm going to have to start moving, so my, my, my next most immediate goal might be I'll just walk out to the mailbox and get the mail every day. Mm -hmm. And then when they can get, do that one, 
we grudge, I invite the patient to keep advancing their goal. Um, and we also have a, a big conversation about what is, what, what is the most important thing to you? So when life was so difficult for me, uh, my most important thing was I wanted my children to grow up to be successful uh, adults emotionally and economically. I, and I knew they were watching. So I had to go to work every day, no matter how difficult it was. I, I couldn't just give up. Um, and it was up to me uh, uh, to keep in mind that my kids were watching. And while I may have thought I was going to teach them resilience by mountaineering and kayaking and teaching them taekwondo, I was going to have to teach them resilience by I just going to work every day and doing my little tiny workout that I could do given my disability every day and giving them chores, real work, real responsibilities. So, if, and for everyone, it's a, a different personal mission, a different um, uh, focus that they'll have, but if they have to do the work, so it has to be a journey that's meaningful to them. It, it doesn't matter what I think. It has to be something that matters deeply to them. Right. And at some point, um, you know, I, I, I've heard it said that we doctors are kind of closed-minded because we think we know everything on a certain topic. And so we're not really, If I know when I was, I'm still board certified OBGYN, uh, but when I was in the throes of my illness and I weighed 240 plus pounds and had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and depression and anxiety and my hair was falling out, all I looked to was my training and would go to my board certified internist and we would, I'd say something's got to be wrong and she'd run all the tests and she'd say, oh no, they're fine. And finally, after I think my 10th visit to her office, she finally just yelled at me and said, Kieran, I, I'm telling you, you're fine. And I knew I wasn't. So uh, we've been accused of being closed-minded and oh, thinking yeah. that we don't know. And so, uh, the fact that you were open to alternatives because there are physicians out there who have oh. suffered and gone gone down that mainstream, I call it dysfunctional mm -hmm. medicine path. Yeah, that's and, all too true. And they just pass quietly into the night. Uh, and so you were, what made you open to receive this information? You know, uh, keep in mind, it took me a really long time. Uh, when you think of how functional I was, you know, a former athlete getting steadily uh, weaker, less fit, uh, uh, increasingly horrific pain, profoundly disabled. So my body had been calling out to me for a long time, um, and I resolutely went down the conventional uh, path, uh, mm -hmm. took those drugs, went to newer drugs, newer drugs, newer drugs, um, and was not... Uh, doing it all well, um, and I was having increasingly horrific trigeminal neuralgia. I and you know, fortunately, I was still searching, still reading, and I had gradually began my self experimentation. Um, and you know, I, I'm just so grateful uh, that I did. I and you know, grateful that I found the Institute for Functional Medicine that really resonated with me. I took their course. I and, uh, was willing to self-experiment. Um, it took all of that. I, and, you know, I needed to have a spouse that supported me through this journey. I needed to have uh, two kids that I thought deeply about because I don't know that I would have done all of this work just for myself. But, you know, like many, many moms, I will do all of this 
even more for my kids. And so I was working so hard to keep myself functional uh, because I, I, I had to for them because they were watching. If I wanted them to be resilient, I had to model resilience. So you really started, you had a vision, and that's where you help your patients start is with the vision. I always say pain will push you push you until your vision pulls you. And then when yes. you have that vision, I do think it creates an energetic container and force that then starts drawing to you information that you people to guide you and really that that universal the energetic force that we have in our bodies our chi to to propel you to your next greatest you know uh, absolutely um we're asking people to give up um addictions uh, uh you know start eating foods that are unfamiliar stop eating foods that are very familiar very tasty to which they probably have some level of dependence at least emotionally if not physically uh to begin moving doing many things that are physically and emotionally very uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, and so this is like a phenomenally big ask. Uh, and so um, I, I, my, my patients have taught me and my uh, registered dietitian colleagues have taught me that uh, it's so important to help the person grow their internal motivation, their resolve. Uh, and so over time, I've learned to spend more and more time with that, what is your personal mission? Why, um, what is it that you want to be doing? What do you want your health for? To get a lot of clarity around that. And then for the patient to uh, create their own uh, immediate goals. And we'll work towards that. Uh, and then I'll talk about tools that will help them get there. But they end up um, having to do the work. Uh, and so... You know, I, I keep getting more and more attentive to this very important uh, step of uh, helping prepare uh, the patient for understanding why they're going on this journey. And so they can grow their desire to do the work and feel the discomfort that they're going to feel initially as they make these changes. Right, and, and you mentioned we are we are asking them to give up addictions, or if you prefer, some people are offended by that term, emotional dependence on oh, yeah. food and activities that aren't supporting them. So, uh, what people are listening and they're thinking, what foods am I going to have to give up? What habits am I going to have to give up? So, talk about maybe some foods. So, that gonna have. you know, the, the foods that. In my experience, that have been the most harmful to us, uh, sugar, high glycemic index foods. So these are the foods that are very sugary, sweet, that lead to a rush of blood sugar. That stimulates a, a bunch of receptors in our brain uh, that uh, have to do with pleasure awareness. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, pasta, breads, uh, white potatoes, sugar, uh, all that sweet flavoring stuff. Uh, and, then, uh, and that's really quite universal. Other foods that may be a problem, this depends partly on your genetics, and that has to do with uh, gluten-containing grains and casein or dairy proteins. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, again, these compounds could lead to a leaky gut, rev up your uh, immune cell activity, uh, let it lead to more immune cell activity in your brain. Uh, and uh, again, depending on your genetics, uh, it can be the first step in developing 
uh, immune dysfunction where your body's attacking otherwise healthy parts of your body, mm-hmm. uh, leading to autoantibodies, and then finally autoimmune destruction, and then autoimmune diagnosing, uh, diagnoses. Um, so I, I ask people to get rid of the sugar, the sweet stuff, get rid of gluten, get rid of dairy, ramp up the vegetables. Um, and uh, we explain the why those things make sense. I acknowledge that, yep, it's difficult. You'll think I'm the doctor from hell, particularly the first week. Uh, it gets easier uh, into the second and third week. Um, and that there is a huge difference between doing this 100% and doing this even 95%. That if you're still uh, exposing yourself to those proteins, you still have the abnormal immune response and you still have lots of inflammation and you're more likely to have trouble with uh, pain and symptomatic trouble related to your uh, health problems. Right, and I'm just thinking that I want to back up just for a second because there's some people listening who probably don't, aren't even really clear what MS is. Oh, sure. If you could talk about what that is, that would help them understand. Um, MS uh, is a uh, disease where you have damage to your spinal cord or your brain, uh, and that means that you have problems with your sensation, so your vision or pain or balance, or you have problems with motor, so muscles uh, and controlment uh, and controlling or weakness uh, of your muscles. Uh, typically, when people are first diagnosed, they have symptoms where you get a relapse or worsening of symptoms. Then your body figures out how to make a bypass of that. Things gradually improve for, and you get back close to baseline. And then over time, there's less recovery, uh, and the disease converts more to just a steady uh, worsening. Uh, Within 10 years of diagnosis, the natural history of the untreated MS uh, is uh, of disability, uh, inability to work within 10 years, Due to uh, fatigue, uh, a third of the folks will have uh, motor problems, uh, so they need a cane, walker, or wheelchair. Uh, Pain uh, often becomes a a big problem. That's the sensory disturbance. Uh, And uh, mental um, fog, brain fog, uh, slow thinking also becomes a problem. Right, so it's it's one of the the more severe, chronic, progressive autoimmune. Yes, it, you know, it, it is right now the most expensive autoimmune problem. Uh, the lifetime cost as of in 2010 was $4 million for the patient uh, or the healthcare system. Uh, it's the leading cause of early disability. It's the leading cause of early and lengthy nursing home care. Um, so this is bankrupting families. It's bankrupting health, uh, small businesses who, who they can no longer provide healthcare coverage. And it's bankrupting, uh, you know, states uh, because as more patients end up on disability in the Medicaid uh, roles, uh, it's, it's profoundly expensive. Uh, and our, our drug companies are, are doing a great job of developing these very precise drugs using health economists to design a pricing strategy to maximize profits. And so these drugs in the MS world are multi-billion dollar um, pipelines for these drugs, mm-hmm. with the cost being fifty to $100,000 per year for that patient. 
Uh, and of course, more and more insurance companies are going to very high cost deductibles because they can't deal with these kind of crushing expenses either. Uh, and of course, you know, my point of view is the, the most effective strategy for treatment it really begins with uh, addressing diet and lifestyle, creating a more healing environment uh, so that the need for these very potent uh, drugs is greatly, greatly diminished. And is dietary and lifestyle modification a part of any mainstream medical protocols that, to your knowledge? Well, you know, it's, so in medical school, we're taught that your first intervention should always be diet. Of course, we're, we're taught low-fat uh, low diet, but you know, we're taught we're supposed to use diet first, exercise, and then go to drugs. And then we get into practice, we have time pressure, uh, and we do a quick, you gotta follow a diet, and then the next time they come back, we put them on drugs. Uh, so although we were taught to do that in medical school, we are never really taught how to do that. Nor is it that, that clear of literature as to which diet is the most therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And so, hence your clinical trial that's underway. Correct? Yes, absolutely. Talk, tell us about that. So, so actually, I, I've done a number of clinical trials. Um, so, our, our first trial, we uh, replicate what I did for others with progressive multiple sclerosis, and we had uh, dramatic improvement in quality of life, reduction in fatigue, uh, and significant improvement in motor function. The uh, next study, uh, which was a randomized study, uh, shorter duration in relapse remitting MS, we again showed that people could implement the diet. We had remarkable improvement in quality of life, uh, reduction in fatigue, and again, improvement in motor function. And then we have another study, uh, again, comparing a ketogenic version of my diet uh, and the Walls diet to weightless control. Uh, and that is under review, so I can't tell you other than we're very happy with those results. <clears throat> and then my current study, uh, which is funded by the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, uh, compares a low saturated fat diet uh, to the Walls diet. And we look at a change in fatigue, quality of life. Uh, we have some biomarkers in there as well. Um, we'll be uh, finishing up our enrollment here uh, in the next week. And then we'll be following folks for the next uh, nine months, analyzing our data beginning in February 2020, uh, presuming that we'll be able to submit uh, for some scientific publications or um, sci scientific meetings next fall, uh, and then, of course, for publication uh, after that. You know, science is absolutely a marathon. This, you know, it, it takes a long time to do the experiment, uh, uh, do the analyses, present them in, in uh, meetings and then in manuscripts. This is definitely a marathon. It's not sprint work. Right, and we will be putting the link in the show notes for anybody who may be suffering with MS or has a friend or family member so they can contact your team and get in your database for yes. trials and information coming up. So absolutely, you know, uh, uh, so if you uh, reach out to our study team, uh, we have a uh, patient registry so we can alert people when we have new clinical trials that are underway. So uh, that would be excellent. Um, we, we also, we get so many folks asking like, uh, so what diets are you studying? Uh, obviously the book is a great resource. We ended up creating a one page handout uh, 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 that summarizes the diet, which is really great for the refrigerator. And that's terrywalls.com 
forward slash diet for that one-page summary, just to help people get started uh, on this journey. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And I did want to ask you uh, about the microbiome because I talk a lot about that with people. I help them understand. Um, I talk with clients a lot, and we talk on the show a lot about microbiome to really help people understand yes. what it is and how you protect it. Can you help people understand how this is involved with autoimmune disease and MS in particular? Sure. You know, the, the research on the microbiome is, continues to explode. Uh, I have this lovely graph that shows, you know, when I went to medical school, nobody was talking about the microbiome. Uh, in the last uh, 10 years, there's been probably an increase uh, uh, every year by about 50%. So it's rapid uh, increase in knowledge and understanding. Uh, there's a, a clear agreement that there is a difference in the microbiome between those who have MS and those who do not. Uh, and there's uh, a, a much deeper understanding that the microbiome, the bacteria in our bowels, help digest the food that we're eating into small and smaller mo molecules that will cross over into the bloodstream, have an impact on our immune cell activity, on the, um, and will also make uh, small molecules that get into our brain and have an influence on our brain immune cell activity, on our moods, and our behaviors. Uh, and, you know, another way of thinking about this, uh, Kieran, is that, you know, if we look back into our ancestral mothers, you know, thousands of generations ago, when there was a random mutation so that she, she could not uh, complete an important enzymatic step in the running of the chemistry of life. And so she couldn't make that molecule anymore. But if, and so that, the genes for that step got lost. Uh, and if she had a microbe that had, could make that molecular step, so that microbial metabolite, she still had reproductive success. And in that moment, the genes for that step got exported from my ancestral mother long ago into my microbiome. And as long as I, I continue to have those microbes, I have good health, reproductive success, and do very well. But over time, as we have a more narrow microbiome, uh, fewer of those important microbial metabolites, the chemistry of my life is less rich, less healthy, less vital, and I'm more likely to have uh, more fatigue, more pain, more hormonal imbalance, more problems processing, eliminating toxins. And instead of feeling great, I begin to have you know, I, I'm not quite as vital. Um, and I, I have more onsets uh, of symptoms, more dysfunction, and more disease states. So what, what we want is a diverse microbiome. Uh, and again, uh, the answer is there is you have to eat diverse things. When we changed our diet to this very narrow diet, only one serving of vegetables a day, lots of sugar, lots of grain, uh, that, those are radically new foodstuffs that we wouldn't have been eating 300 years ago. For those thousands of generations, we ate, we ate meat, uh, and we knew to eat a lot of organ meat, and we ate a lot of plants, probably 200 different plant species. Uh, and so when we radically changed our diet, we radically changed our microbiome, and we radically changed our microbial metabolites, mm -hmm. and our health has steadily declined. 
Yes, and also with the pesticides and chemicals that are toxic to our microbials, we've also narrowed it even further. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, and then we take antibiotics and um, antibiotics often for viral indications. Yeah. Uh, our uh, uh, farmers um, uh, responding to the economic pressures that they're under um, give antibiotic uh, laced uh, foodstuffs to their animals because weight gain, uh, uh, you become fatter quicker uh, for the animals. Uh, and so a lot of the meats that we eat have antibiotic residues in them, which again influence uh, our microbiome as well. So there, there are many, many pressures on our uh, microbes. Yes, lots, and it's, it's key really for autoimmune disease because the gut is really the interface to the immune system. Absolutely. Um, right, it's, it's our biggest surface area and it's our biggest interface with the external environment because we're taking things from outside of us and putting it inside. And so that's really where I call our immune system our military, it's lining our gut. Yes gut-associated lymphoid tissue and really try to help people understand that this is the front line of autoimmune disease, everything you're putting in your mouth. <laughs> yes, and you're either uh, creating an environment that um, fertilizes an autoimmune uh, process or uh, uh, turns it off. Uh, and so uh, as we eat a more narrow diet and we have less diversity in the microbiome, it's like pouring gasoline uh, on the fire. Yes, absolutely. Well, you have shared so much valuable information. Your journey alone is just extremely inspirational. You, you, you embody the warrior archetype. And I thank you for, for your thank journey. You. You know, and uh, the other thing I, I want to convey to your uh, audience, Karen, is that um, if, if I can come back from that level of dysfunction, uh, of uh, severe fatigue, uh, unable to set up, uh, severe horrific pain to the point where, you know, I can bike for hours. I'm traveling the world, lecturing, writing books, uh, conducting groundbreaking research. If I can come back, there's every reason to think that they too could come back, but they have to begin to imagine that it's possible and begin doing the work. Yes, I love that. I got chills when you said that. And it's so true. I think that we, we give up and, and we as mainstream doctors or when we both practice mainstream medicine, we're guilty of it too. We basically, MS would be kind of a disability and death sentence or diabetes. Oh, you're going to have it for the rest of your life when it's not true. And if you're listening, I want you to hear us clearly. These, those are lies. You can reverse so many diseases and yes. disorders. So you know, in my uh, lifestyle clinic, uh, the, the kinds of problems that we saw, uh, high blood pressure, obesity, um, atherosclerosis, heart failure, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, systemic lupus, psoriasis, mm -hmm. uh, cognitive decline, and of course, multiple sclerosis. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I treated them all essentially the same way, a therapeutic diet, therapeutic lifestyle, and yes, we did tailor it to their unique issues, but it was at the core very, very similar, focusing on health behaviors, 
uh, some target, targeted use of supplements, uh, and uh, helping them create meaning in their life. Consistently, pain goes down, blood pressure improves, blood sugars uh, improve. Uh, our, my gentleman, and we see a lot of folks with traumatic brain injury who uh, also have impotence uh, as part of their problem that you know, they come back and the, the guy's a big smile like, Dr. Walls, you didn't tell me that my love life was going to improve. You know, and, and uh, many of our ladies uh, are, are discovering that their severe menstrual pain uh, is resolved or their infertility is is resolved you know as your cells can run the chemistry of life our energy improves our vitality improves and a lot of these chronic symptoms begin to melt away yes so true so if you're listening there is always hope there's always improvement available you just need to get at the root cause and start start addressing it and uh, Dr. Walls, can you leave everybody with the top three take action tips that you've shared today? Because you've covered a lot of things. Yes. If they're having issues with autoimmune, multiple sclerosis, what would you suggest? Number one, get clear on uh, what you want your health for. Uh, number two, remove the most inflammatory foods, sugar, gluten, and dairy. Number three, ramp up the non-starchy vegetables greens, cabbage, onion, mushroom family vegetables, and some deeply pigmented things, carrots, beets, berries. Yes, I love those. And those three take action tips will help any disease that you're suffering from, not yes. just autoimmune. Uh, I always like to say that the root causes are all the same. They're in certain categories, but how they outpicture in the leaves of the tree may be different from person to person person depending on their particular genetics, biochemical individuality, and their epigenetics, and their lifestyle. And so healing these and taking those three action steps is a great step. I know that you have a gift where you're going to share with everyone the principles of your diet, and we'll put that link in the yes. show notes. Anything you'd like to say about that? You know, this is extremely helpful. People uh, find it that great to put it on the refrigerator, a quick visual reminder of what their goals are. Uh, it's a great tool uh, for your spouse uh, and your children uh, to get the whole family uh, down this healthier uh, way of eating and living. Right. I, I always like to say to my patients, it's really hard to eat this way on your own if other people in your household are not doing the same uh, and so no. getting forward is important and also know that you're helping their health move towards a, a higher level yes. you, so everyone's improving so thank you so much dr terry for being with us for sharing your path your passion your purpose your expertise and for the work that you do thank you I feel blessed.